Exodus chapter 20. We're continuing on our study of the Ten Commandments as we move through these commandments, looking at what the Lord has in store for us as he reveals himself to us. He does give us a set of guidelines to operate with him. Uh, any person who lives a successful life has some form of guidelines that they live in. God has created this world. He has created each of us individually and unique, and he knows who we are, and he knows how life is to be. And to give us the best possible life because of his love, he gave some commandments for us to fall within. Looking at those we've talked about, remember the first four were what? Our relationship between man and God, a vertical And then commandments um, from there, 5 through 10, are the commandments that are dealing with the horizontal or man-to-man relationship. And as we move through those, we understand that we must first have our relationship with God correct, settled, foundational rock. Because without that, we cannot have proper relationship to man. Today, we're going to be looking at the next commandment. Coming out of verse 14, but would you stand with me this morning as we read from God's word. Remember, we're going to pick up Exodus 20 verse 1. And we're going to read up into today's verse. It says, then God spoke all these words saying, I am Yahweh your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them for I, Yahweh, your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me. But showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of Yahweh, your God, in vain. For Yahweh will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of Yahweh, your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your sons or your daughter, your male or your female slave or your cattle or your sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother that you your days may prolong in the land which the Lord your God gives you. You shall not murder. And then today's commandment, you shall not commit adultery. Let's leave that one up there for just a second. If you agree with God's word, would you read this with me together off the screen? Verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. You may be seated. Father God, how thankful, Lord, that you love us enough that, Father, you gave us your word to tell us who you are. Father, Lord, you gave us these commandments to show us that you have love for us, that, Father, you care about us. 
And Father, you care how we live our lives because, Lord, it affects us and those around us. Lord, I pray now that you would help me and my flesh to step aside. That, Father, you would fill me with the power, the boldness of Holy Spirit, Lord, to proclaim your message, Lord, that the words I say would be your words and that I wouldn't get in the way. That, Father, those listening this morning, that, Lord, you would open their ears and soften their hearts that they may hear Holy Spirit this morning. And, Lord God, we just pray everything in the precious and the most holy name of your Son, Jesus. Amen and amen. As we make our way through this, we look at this word adultery. Many of us think, I know exactly where you're going. I know exactly what you're going to say. We know what adultery is. Well, let me kind of break down what this adultery is so that we can understand why it's in the Bible. I once heard one say, you know, God doesn't say in here, you shall not, because he wants to squash out the fun in life. But he says you shall not because he wants us to be able to live life He knows the detriment to what happens when we're outside of these commandments. That's why I've entitled, we can go and go back to that one, I've entitled this, The Damage of Adultery. Adultery creates damage. But what I want to tell you this morning is it doesn't just create damage for the one who is doing adultery. There's a lot more ramification to that. So if you want to be selfish for yourself and do what you want to do, you need to think about others. You need to think about more than just what's here on earth. We could give the very classic definition of adultery, as we would all say, is a married person having sex outside of that marriage with someone else. That is adultery. Bible talks about adultery and fornication. Fornication being sex between two people who are not married. Adultery is dealing with that within the marriage. But let me tell you why this specific commandment is talking about adultery. It does include all the others. All of the sexual sin that comes along with that. And we're going to look at that. And one put it this way that adultery takes your life and your strength and scatters it. I'm here to tell you, God created sex, church, and he created it to be wonderful. And there's something special about one man and one woman coming together in holy matrimony and making a covenant with God to live together for all of life. And when God designed that, then he designed for the sexual relationship to come into that because it unites those two people together. Like analogy I saw, it's like when you're born, God gives you a rose. Have you ever seen a rose? How pretty it is. It has all of those petals. Unfortunately, in this day and time, people don't hold sex to a sacred level and they go off and we're going to kiss over here and we're going to do all this. And that rose is given to you to give, as this analogy was using, to your spouse at marriage. A beautiful rose. But every time we go off and do something, we pull off a petal and said, how many people are left when they finally find the right one and they come to the altar of wedding, they have nothing but a thorn left to give the one they love. 
But when we come together, this adultery is taking this thing because every time that we are intimate with someone, there is a connection made with that someone and there are bonds that are formed there. So what I want us to do today, first of all, is I want us to, we talked about the damage of adultery, but what is affected? What is the effect? That is what is in your outline there, that first E. We're going to look at three E's today. What is the effect? First of all, there is a personal effect to adultery. Why God doesn't want us to do this? Because he knows that first of all, there is a personal effect and it affects the inside of the person who commits adultery. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18. Listen to this one. It says, flee sexual immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the sexual immoral man sins against his own body. There is something unique about a sexual sin that affects the person on the inside. Many of you in here, if I were to say the word addiction, the first thing that would probably come to your mind would be what? Drugs or alcohol. Why do drugs affect someone? There is an effect or effect that happens inside a person's brain. And they have seen this, that when someone is on drugs and they take that drug, there is what's called a dopamine effect that lights up in the brain that pleasure And there is a desire to repeat that and to repeat that. That's the reason people become addicts. Sexual sin is the same way. Pornography is the same way. When someone acts in an adulterous way outside of that marriage, when someone looks at pornography, that same dopamine affects and it becomes addictive. You know, it affects us on the inside because God designed us for relationship. God designed us to be intimate with a spouse because he knows that it connects it. Our body longs for that, but it must be done in control. It must be done in the way God set it up in the confines of marriage to one man and to one woman. You know, people these days want to talk about we came from apes and how many people want to argue that point, which I wholeheartedly disagree with. I do not believe we evolved from apes. But what do Christians say when they go around and they act like animals that can't control their self? So God says that, you know, there is a personal effect. It affects the inside of a person. He said that, as we saw there in 1 Corinthians, that the... Of immorality affects the man's own body, man being man or woman. But you know, listen to this. I believe there's an outside effect too. Let me read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor infants, nor homosexuals. Look at where adultery is placed right in there next to the infinite homosexuals, idolaters. 
Those who live that lifestyle, it said, will not inherit the kingdom of God. So am I telling you that as a believer, if you do this, that you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God? No, that's not what I'm saying. Because we believe that there is salvation. And once we are saved, that God holds us until that day. But I'm telling you, if you live that lifestyle, I'm going to question your salvation. Because someone who is in love with God is not going to do that. So there is an effect, number one, to the person. Number two, the family. There is something unique about the family. If you want to turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. Very beginning of God's word. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 21 So Yahweh God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. And the Lord God fashioned the rib which he had taken from the man into a woman, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This one, finally, is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. The one shall be called woman. Because this one was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife and they shall become one flesh. The family is special and unique. The family is above all in relationships underneath God. I was heard Adrian Rogers talking one time. And he said that, you know, this is the first one. Because what does it tell us there? That a man shall leave his father, his father and mother. So the parent-child relationship is not number one. It's not relationship with friends. It is a family And remember we talked about adultery being a separation. It is a a breaking of union. When you come together, there is a family that is there. God designed it that way. For the family to leave and to cleave and to become one flesh. And when you break that commitment through adultery, you are breaking that relationship. Heard it said one time this way. There's also a responsibility in that with the children. And when someone is an adulterer and has an affair, you know what it says to the family? My pleasure is greater than you are. If it's a man doing it to a woman, your mother means nothing to me. And neither do you. Do you see the reason God doesn't want this to happen? Because there's an effect to the person, to the family, and also to the church. We are a family as a church. There is the family, the capital C church, the entire church of Jesus Christ. There's a local body, the church right here. And as members, we come together and we are a family. And when you do something that affects you, it affects us. When I do something that affects me, it affects you. So it's not just you, it's the family of the church and the sin that gets brought in and the breaking of the fellowship within that. But also there is the effect of God. You know, God doesn't like it, it grieves God. Romans 8 verses 6 and 8 says this, For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, 
for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Adultery is acting strictly in the flesh. And it hurts the relationship between man and God. But not only the effect, what about the evaluation? I want us to look at this. Your second E is the evaluation. And today I want us to look at four different things. Types of adultery. Adultery, yes, is as the whole having an affair outside of marriage, sex with another person. But this happens in multiple ways. One is physical adultery. Don't have to go into too much detail with that for you, other than to say it is a sexual connection to someone other than your spouse. You might say, preacher, why are you telling me all of this? I'm not having an affair. I'm, I'm an older person. None of this bothers me. Well, I promise you it still ravages through all ages. But we also have a responsibility to know because we have a responsibility to teach those that are coming up under us. Listen to Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 10. Leviticus 20 verse 10. If there is a man who commits adultery with another man's wife, one who commits adultery with his friend's wife, the adulterer, and the adulteress shall be put to death. God took this seriously, church. In the Old Testament, he come along and he said on the physical act, if there is a man and a woman outside of marriage having sex with someone else, that both the man and the woman are to be put to death. That's coming at it from the aspect because in their day, women were the ones who were the adulterer, not the men. It was often played off men could do whatever they wanted. Men could marry a woman and when she no longer pleased him, he could get rid of her and he would marry another woman. So he was not being an adulterer because he was married to her. But it's saying here that if this happens, that both the man and the woman are to be put to death. Not just a physical adultery, but the evaluation of object adultery. And this happens so often Proverbs 6 and 25. Do not desire her beauty in your heart, nor let her capture you with her eyelids. For on account of a harlot, one is reduced to a loaf of bread, and an adulteress hunts for the precious life. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Or can a man walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is there one who goes into his neighbor's wife, whoever touches her, will not go unpunished. There's object adultery. We have the physical adultery or the object where we look at a woman. Believe this is where Jesus brings it home. Most of us would probably in this room say that they have never had an affair, they've never had a sexual encounter with a woman. Well, Jesus takes it always further, doesn't he? He says, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Object adultery. Looking at something. What are other things that can be object adultery? A separation. Work. Have you ever known someone that work is their number one priority? We'd call them a workaholic. Maybe a cell phone. Facebook. 
things that take up all this time, things that we pour all this time into, things that separate and divide within a relationship. A husband and a wife should be intimate. They should have communication. And when we begin to place other things above that, that becomes a separation and becomes an object adultery. Thirdly, emotional An emotional adultery. This happens so often. Someone who has an emotional affair. Nothing we would call physical, no touch, but emotional. And I'm going to take this with my remote on this one. I want us to look at eight different things. You're probably not going to be able to write them all down. You can try to. If you won't ask me later, I can give them to you. Eight things that could be signs of emotional adultery. And I heard once that if you have more than one of these, very possibly you're having an emotional affair. Let's look at this. Number one, frequent contact when not together. If there is someone else in your life that when you're not together, we're talking outside of your spouse... If you are in frequent contact to them, even when you're not together, you, you can't wait to talk to them on the phone, you're texting them on the phone, you're communicating some form of interaction that is frequent when you're not together. These are some signs. Second, frequent sharing of any kind of news Is there someone outside of your spouse connection that as soon as you have good news, the first thing you want to do is share it with them? Uh, something happens in your life. First thing you want to do is you want to go and you want to share it with them. Third, constantly thinking about them. Is this person constantly in your mind? Do you think about them quite often? Again, kind of maybe that when you're not together, not contact, but you're thinking about them on a regular basis. Four, feeling understood by them more than your spouse. When you have that connection outside of marriage and you just feel that you can share them, you know, they, they just understand me. Be careful. Be very careful. You feel understood by them more than your spouse. Inappropriate sharing. Is there someone outside of your marriage that you share things with that you know your spouse wouldn't want to share with them? Doesn't have to necessarily be, and I know some who do, that share intimate things about their intimate relationship. That's inappropriate sharing. It doesn't have to be something necessarily big, but something you know you wouldn't want to share, but you just have to share it with them. Unfair comparison to my spouse. If my spouse was just like you. If my spouse would do what you do, you are so good at this. I appreciate that. You get butterflies when you have contact with them. Now, we remember that from little kids, don't you? When you find that little girl, you fall in love, you get around them and have the butterflies. Is there someone in your life outside of your spouse that when you have contact with them, butterfly? Is it a secretary at work? Is it a co-worker? Is it a friend down the road? Is it someone at the grocery store? Eight, you keep secrets between each other. Let me share this with you and you're not sharing it with your spouse. If you have any of these and probably two or more, be very careful. You could be in the middle of an emotional adultery. 
I'll leave that up there just a moment. Spiritual adultery. It's not just the physical, the object, or the emotional. There is a spiritual adultery. Let me just read this to you while I leave that up on the screen. 1 John 5, 3 says, For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. How many of us go around and we talk about, I love God with all of my heart. The Bible talks about that all of our heart. But yet, if we are having an affair with someone else, then that's breaking God's commandments. That is spiritual adultery because we are not keeping his commandments. We're about to run out of time here. Let me give you the last one here. The extrication. Now, let me explain what I mean before I go here. We've looked at all of these things and we've seen that person who does this doesn't inherit the kingdom of heaven person who does this is affecting their selves or affecting the church there's affecting their relationship with God we can begin to let this weigh on us but I want to tell you that there is hope there is because we serve a God who loves us so the extrication first of all God is love first John 4 9 and 10. But this is the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. While we were sinners, Christ loved us and he sent his son to die on the cross to take our place. To pay the price of that death and that separation and we come back to God through that. God loves us. He comes and he rescues us. We must come to him. It's not over. It's not the end. It's not helpless when this happens. Also, God rescues us. He lifts us up. Psalm 30, verses 1 through 3. We read, it says, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not let my enemies rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You have kept me alive that I would not go down to the pit. Outside of God's commandments is death. It says that he rescues us from death and he gives us life. But not only that, he's our refuge. Psalm 46, verses 1 through 3. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea. Though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake and its swelling pride, he's our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Let me tell you what, if we're in that situation, we're in trouble. But God comes in and he gives us a better way. He rescues us and how does he do that? But God forgives, amen. Adultery is not the unpardonable sin. Unpardonable sin is to refuse the calling of Holy Spirit on your life for salvation, 
1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God calls adultery and fornication, sexual immorality is unrighteous. But if we will go to him and confess that, it says that he is faithful. Even when we haven't been faithful, but he is faithful and he is righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. Adultery can wreck a marriage. There can be healing. Adultery can tear homes apart and does every single day. Tears apart a relationship with God. That happens on a regular basis. But there's restoration where God comes in and he shares his love. He says, here's the perfect way because he knows how good that path is. Amen. It, it wouldn't it be wonderful if we could stay in the path and not need that rescuing? But he comes to us and he rescues us if we will confess our sins to him. May you bow your heads. Father God, this morning I just come before you. Father, I thank you that your word shows and tells us that you are love. Father, your word tells us, Lord, that when we mess up, Lord, we can come to you. And God, you are faithful. Lord, you are righteous. Father, you can cleanse us, Lord. We must come to the cross. Father, we must seek you. We must confess. Father, why the commandment today we look at is the seventh command about adultery. Father, it's not the only sin that's out there. Father, this world is full of sin. And Father, you are bigger than this world. You are greater than this world. Lord, you can provide forgiveness, you can provide healing, and you can provide restoration. Father God, thank you for that. Amen. Would you just stand?